it never fails. I should always take this a warning. I've got several buddies that are, that are pastors that I would consider mentors, and, and I always know that if I hear from like all three of them on the same morning, that stuff's going to go crazy. Like they, they were encouraging me early this morning, and um, we just started having volunteer after volunteer, you know, let us know that, hey, we're, we can't come. We're sick. And so even in our house, we had, we had it visit upon us last night in the middle of the night. So, um, but hey, we're good. We're good. Uh, this morning, we're bringing something back that we haven't been able to start the rhythm back on in a while. You know, we, we kind of have a rhythm of worship, the way that we try to do things over the course of a month and uh, praying for our city praying for our ministry or our partnerships beyond our city, um, sharing stories, and also like communion. And so one of the things that we haven't had to, been able to bring back yet is just this idea of sharing stories. Like we like people within our faith family to be able to share what God's doing, um, where they're from, what's been going on. And to be honest, like the way that we've done it before is fairly intimidating. We've just asked people to come up and just share their story in like five minutes or so. And so we decided, you know what, we still want to hear from people, but we don't want it to be so scary. And so what we're going to do, I got y'all short stools, by the way, so it makes it look like I'm taller than you guys, which is great. Um, it was an accident. But so the way we're going to do it is, is kind of in the form of an interview. So you may get tapped if you've been with us for a while over the next, uh, next year just to say, hey, we're just going to ask you some questions and get you guys to talk. And so this morning, whoop, we're going to ask Jonathan and Britt Gunther to come up, and I just introduced you. So I already answered your first question for you. Now, Britt, you don't have to, but if you'd like to, you make him look better. See, look, I mean, it looks like I'm so much taller than you guys. That's, that's awesome. Hey, yeah, let me scoot over a little bit. We want to make sure that you guys are in camera, too, because we've got other people at home that would love to hear you, and I know that you want to be seen by as many people as possible. Um, I told Jonathan about this, and, and he was like, yeah, I'll be glad to do it. And then after he found out he was the first person to be doing it this year, he was like, do I really need to be first? I'm like, man, we wanted a home run, so no pressure. And so Jonathan and Britt, we've known them for a while. They've got three crazy kids, amazing, beautiful children, and uh, I'll let them tell you about them. But, um, man, they've been, they've been super special to our family and super special to this Origins family. And so this morning, all we're going to do is just ask some questions about who they are and what their faith does in their life. And then even we're going to finish with how can we pray for them. And that's simple. Um, and so go ahead and tell us your names again. My name's Britt. <laughs> Jonathan. Perfect. Um, tell us what, uh, what you guys do for work. We own Five Forks Athletics. Uh, we've been open for almost eight years. Uh, it's a CrossFit gym and personal training gym. Nice. All right. So, what are some of the uh, man? What are some of the day-to-day -day issues you see at work? Not necessarily bad, not necessarily good, but just hey, broad picture. What are some of the day-to-day -day issues you see at your job, your work? We got thirty minutes to talk, or hey, yeah, absolutely. Hey, just if you up. talk over, I don't have to teach it all today. <laughs> I'm good. Go. Um, Day-to-day, -day, uh, first one would be time management. I think the, having a family and owning a business, and I think some people will understand that, is that you know, trying to be a father, a husband, have a relationship with the Lord, and run a successful business, uh, time management gets to be difficult. Um, you know, the stress that comes with uh, owning a business sometimes, uh, trying to, to weigh out running numbers on a daily basis with trying to create relationships with people on a daily basis and figuring out sometimes, uh, you know, what that vehicle is for. I would say that in the beginning it was very much, hey, this vehicle of the gym is to get people to squat more weight and cool. work out faster. <laughs> uh, but now, as we've been doing this for a while, it's definitely about the relationships that we create. Um, 
And I would say that sometimes our selfish, uh, my selfish, I shouldn't say our, desires of making sure our numbers hit a certain number on, on a monthly basis um, gets to sometimes be overwhelming in the fact of that it hinders what we can do with our relationships with people. Um, so that would be an issue. Uh, and then, yeah, just trusting in the Lord on a regular basis, at least for me, that no matter what happened, I mean, obviously last year was crazy, but it, what, for us, it wasn't as crazy as uh, a few of the years before that. So just having faith in the Lord and trusting that, um, you know, it is his will what we're doing and that, um, you know, hopefully that he'll continue to use us for that and uh, our business will be successful if it is his will and we're using it for him. Nice. Britt, would you want to add to that? Any issues that you face as the um, co-owner, wife, mother, trainer, coach, all that? Yeah, everything he said I definitely agree with. Um, one of the things I think that we've definitely worked, worked through but it can become an issue is um, – we work together, obviously. Um, so just making sure there's a difference between like husband and wife, Brittany and Jonathan, and working Jonathan and Brittany, because um, sometimes those aren't the same thing. And so right. when the gym gets really busy or it gets really busy, one can kind of go over the other one and just making sure we balance that out. Nice. What about, um, let me ask a yes or no question, and then I'm gonna ask you to expound on it. So would you say that your faith makes a difference as to how you run your business? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Now, now you can answer like the why or how. Like how, how does your faith make it different? And we're not comparing you to another gym, but just imagine you owned a gym, didn't follow Jesus, and to you owning a gym, following Jesus. Like how does that make that look different for you guys? Man, for me, uh, there has been so many stressful times. If I didn't follow Jesus, I don't know how I would get through it, honestly. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and a lot of times where we're at now has been because of a step of faith, and uh, meaning you know, it's scary just thinking about the steps that we're taking and, and without, you know, prayer and, uh, how do I say it, you know, going to the Lord regularly, uh, you know, I don't know that we would be where we're at because of the stress that it, that sometimes comes on with that. Hmm. Yeah, I agree with him, like just having faith that God's going to get us through the next step, whether it be building a new gym or a facility or just, um, building relationships with people at the gym that sometimes aren't easy. We all know it's easy to build relationships with some people, and sometimes it's a little bit harder. They're a little more closed off. And um, just having faith that, you know, we'll be able to reach them and comfort them and we're, wherever they're at in life. Nice. Easy last question. Like, how can we pray for you in what you're doing now in your business and in your life? Uh, that we'll continue to keep the Lord first and use our business to create relationships. Um, you know, often for us, it seems that we're in a spotlight sometimes, which is hard. Uh, I'm very extroverted, but sometimes because everyone's watching us on a regular basis, I like to pull back. So sometimes just pray that we'll continue to be able to pour into people's lives um, and be an example for what God has done in our lives. Nice. Nice. Hey, Neil, would you mind praying for them? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, guys. High bar. Way to go. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so within this faith family, I don't, if, if you haven't been with us long, like, we celebrate stories. Like, we want to hear people's stories. And uh, on Thursday this week, um, a couple of us got to go and sit at the Greenville Rescue Mission 
and, and to kind of hang out with some of those guys, in which we're going to be back there this coming Saturday. If you haven't signed up, there's still time. I think we actually have 16 people signed up to serve at the Rescue Mission on Saturday, which is probably our biggest turnout to date of people signing up to serve on a Saturday, because Saturdays are tough. So if you've signed up, great. You should be hearing from Zach at some point this week with details. Uh, we'll serve from like 9 to 12. We'll grab breakfast beforehand. I'm assuming at Tommy's Ham House before Tommy's is no more. Um, but be on the lookout for that. Uh, a couple other quick announcements, too, and I'll get back to what I was talking about. I just remembered some things. Uh, the Burns and the Shoreys have new babies, and so the Shoreys had their baby this week. Uh, Milo Archer, Shorey, uh, happy, healthy, large, healthy kid, uh, and uh, Kristen's doing well, too. Nicole and uh, uh, the Burns are doing great, and their little baby Eleanor, she's good. So the mill trains are out and about, so if you haven't signed up to take them a meal, sign up to take them a meal or send them a meal or do whatever we need to. Uh, let's make sure that they've got uh, enough room on their plate right now to manage what's going on. So just take something off. Uh, the other thing, community groups this week are meeting, but I think all community groups have a fun night scheduled. I think so, I'm pretty sure. So if you're looking to get in the group and you haven't been yet, uh, maybe drop an email to the people on the website, and they'll tell you what's going on. If they're meeting somewhere off-site, they'll tell you. Um, but it'll just be a fun, a fun time. Um, so back to the rescue mission. Uh, we, on Thursday, just got the opportunity to share with them, like, why we talk about our story so much, what's in our story and what it does. And so we want to celebrate things like this that we get to see. You know, I'd love to do it every week. So if we got to the place that we could, man, I'd stop teaching nearly as long, and we would do this every week. Jonathan and Brittany, you could share every week, man. We'll, we'll be glad to let you do that. Um, but, yeah, so we, we just celebrate these things and allowing people just to share, man, where God's brought them from, where he has them now, and what he's continuing to do in their lives. And then, like, that fourth part is very critical for us. Like, how can we pray for them? Like, what can we do? And so if you heard Jonathan and Brittany this morning talking about what they needed and how we could pray for them, don't just do it today. Like, do it tomorrow, and do it on Tuesday, and do it on Wednesday. Um, man, because I, uh, I could easily cry over Jonathan and Brittany Gunther right now, how much I love them, and how much I've seen God do in them, and I'm not going to look at them, and I'm, I'm not going to do it. Uh, but hey, um, yeah, so hopefully we'll get to hear from more people in the coming weeks. This morning, I kind of wanted to, uh, before we get into Palm Sunday next week and Easter, uh, since we're kind of in between series and in between that, uh, just kind of praying through, like, God, what is one thing that we need to rally around and think about? And even made a call and uh, told, if you're a covenant member, kind of we talked about this idea last week of this phrase, make every effort, what that actually means when we say that and what we can assume that means when we see it in Scripture. And just kind of told covenant members throughout the week via an announcement, like, make every effort to be here or listen today. And then, like, the plague hit a ton of families. And so that, that happened. Uh, so hopefully you're able to tune in and listen. Today, I kind of wanted to throw out like a signpost for us as a church. I think for me, I, I used to be on the road a lot and travel a lot and drive a ton of places. And even though I would drive somewhere over and over and over, um, and I knew exactly when to turn just based on how long I had been on that particular stretch of road, like I knew the exit was coming up, it was still really refreshing to see that exit sign saying, this way to LaGrange, or this way to Mobile, or Mobile, or wherever, like seeing that sign to point me to go to the place that I knew that I was going anyway. Um, this morning, I kind of wanted to do that for us. Like, what we're going to talk about is not in response to something not being done, or the feeling of people letting down uh, the, the church, or anything like that. It's just a reminder of, like, who we are, why we're here, what we're supposed to do. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 2. It'll also be up on the screen if you want to follow. And any week that you forget your Bible or you don't have one, we have some on the table back there. You're more than welcome to take one and make it yours for that day or the rest of time if you want to. Um, but we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2 starting in verse 11. 
And uh, we're just going to talk about just some, some signposts and some ideas to rally around. And I'm going to do my best, and this is a dangerous thing to say, I'm going to do my best to be brief. Uh, I know that normally doesn't go well, but we're going to give it a shot. Now let me pray, and we're going to jump in and read together. God, we love you. We thank you for time. We thank you for loving us. God, we thank you for stories, stories that are different because of you. We thank you, God, that we do do business differently because of you. We do serve people differently because of you. We do think about what a business should look like, what money should look like, what time should look like differently because of you, because of what you've done. Uh, God, thank you for Jonathan and Brittany and uh, Neil being willing to pray for them and just, uh, just share the good that they bring. Uh, God, I pray that their story would inspire us. I pray that it would motivate us. But God, I, pr- I pray more importantly, it would cause us to worship you more, to say thank you for what you've done. Thank you for this faith family. Uh, God, what you've done in us and what you're going to continue to do and how you've blessed us so richly. Uh, but most importantly, God, how you've blessed us with a mission um, that doesn't revolve around a building, that doesn't revolve around a calendar, uh, that revolves around your glory and people that need to see it. Uh, God, I pray for this word this morning that you would speak through it, that you would guide us. We love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. We're going to read 11 through 18, chapter second, and then we'll read uh, a little bit more of that chapter. It says, Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him we have both access, we both have access in one spirit, to the Father. Now, at this point, Paul was speaking to the people at Ephesus, and there were two distinct groups of people. There were Jews and Gentiles. There were the people of God by lineage and also by faith, but then there were Gentiles, which was everyone else. Uh, they may have been called pagans. They may have been called a lot of other things, but they basically non-Jews. But in this place and in this time, uh, it's become common knowledge and accepted, especially within the church, that Jesus came for all people. Jesus came to die so that there no longer would be this group or that group, but only this group called a family. And it says that he is breaking down these walls of hostility, he's breaking down these barriers, and he's making one where there were two. He's making one family where there were more than one family. And so I think for us, like I think today, one of the signposts that we need to understand is that part of our perception and conception of what the church is may be flawed by our culture. Like, I think that our understanding of what the church is for and what it does, I think has probably been affected uh, quite possibly by uh, just poor understandings of what Jesus intended to bring. And so, like, I want to talk this morning just really, really briefly about what the church is, what the church is not. Because I think growing up as a product of the Southern church, like myself, I think I put a ton of weight on a building, on a place, on an organization, on systems, on doctrines, on a lot of other things. And I didn't put nearly enough weight on the fact that what Jesus did in creating the church is he didn't build buildings, he didn't build steeples, he didn't build organizations. No, he made family where family was not. And so I think for us, like the first thing that we need to confront, the first signpost that we need to see is, man, what we are called to be has nothing to do with a building. 
It has nothing to do with a time and a place on a calendar. It has nothing to do with an event as far as identity goes. It's not about those things. Instead, it's about what God came to redeem. And God didn't come to redeem a structure. He came to redeem a people, and he's been making us into that. Today, I think it's very vital for us to, if we're going to understand what we're supposed to do, we have to start with who we are and who God has made us to be. And we have to understand that because of the work of Jesus and only by the work of Jesus, not by us agreeing with one another, not by us wearing the same t-shirts and the same bracelets or anything like that, but just as a result of the work of Jesus, we who were strangers and aliens to him and one another have been made one. And that is a huge deal. We just went through this whole book of 1 John, and it was talking about these indicators, these, these ideas, these things that prove that our relationship with God is true through Jesus. And one of those that was reiterated over and over and over was this fact that now we have this permeating relationship with one another that we didn't start, that we don't continue, but as a result of the work of Jesus. And it's continued by the Holy Spirit of Jesus that's in us. And it should point us to the fact that we've been redeemed. We have to understand that as an identity, we are a family and not an organization. We are a family and not an organization. Because, to be honest, organization uh, functions on rules and realities that are set forth in a charter, but family functions completely different. Family functions uh, as a result and under the umbrella of patriarchal or maternal lead, like who's in charge of that family. That's how a family functions. And we have this God the Father who is now all of our dads, who's made us all brothers and sisters, co-heirs with Jesus. And so we should look different than an organization. We should function differently than just some other building on a corner. Much differently. We should look different. We should sound different. We should think different. We should love one another differently. We should just be different as a result of Jesus. So he continues on in verse 19. And he says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And so the second thing that we need to understand is not only have we been brought in and made something more than an organization, made more than a building on a street, uh, now we have actually been built into or are being built into would be the correct terminology. We're being built into the dwelling place of God here now in this present age. Because understand, these people, they would have relied very heavily on the the physical temple, where it was, what they had to do to go into there, all of the rites and the rituals that they had to participate in just to enter the first wall, then the second wall. And then there was just this extemporaneous idea of what they could possibly do to go beyond that, but they couldn't. Only a few could. But now, as a result of Jesus, Jesus has torn down all of those things. He's made us family. He's made us united with God. And he says, now, it's not a temple. It's not a building that contains the very Spirit of God in this place, in this age, it's you. More importantly, more appropriately, y'all. Us. We're being built into a, a new temple for the living God. And that, man, just as huge as it is that we have been made together as a family, that's a crazy thought. To think that of all the places that God could dwell in this planet, on this planet, He chooses to do it in you and me. That's nuts doesn't make sense. But that's, that's what Scripture says. It says, in whom the whole structure being formed together grows into a holy temple or a holy dwelling place. In him you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This family 
that Jesus created where it did not exist. He said, now, I haven't just created you to be family. I've created you to contain, to display, and to be God on this earth. And don't get freaked out by the be God on this earth. Like, we're not taking charge of, of what he does. But just like, man, just like Neil so appropriately said about Jonathan and Brittany, people that would never get a chance to see or hear about Jesus, they get to see and hear about Jesus because they walk into a gym where two people that belong to Jesus dwell. We get to be the only God that some people will ever see, the only amount of God, the only display of God that people will ever see. Why? Because Jesus came and he said, I choose to put my spirit in them so that the very spirit of God, the very dwelling place of God will no longer be built by hands. It will no longer be a system. It will no longer be a structure. It will be a family. And through that family, all of creation will see me. If we sit back and we believe that the point of all of this is this, we will fail. We will be fruitless. We'll be insignificant. The city will not be changed by a date, a point, an event on a calendar. It won't. But it can be changed by a people who've been changed. It can be utterly and radically transformed by a people who have been uh, indwelled by the very spirit of the living God who function like a family that once were strangers and aliens that were defined by their differences that are now defined by their dad. That can change a city. That can change a world. As a matter of fact, that's exactly what Jesus intended to do when he looked at Peter and those and he said, on you, I will build my family. On you, I will build my church. He wasn't talking about a brick. He wasn't talking about Peter being called the rock or the stone. No, he was like, no, on you guys right here. You guys are going to be the foundation because the foundation of a family must be a family. And so on you, I'll build my family. We have to reorient the way that we think about the church as not being a structure, not being a place, and understand that the church is a people redeemed for God's glory and purpose, and we're knit together as a family on mission. I'll say it again because it's, it, it's not mine, but it's, it's of critical importance. The church is a people redeemed for God's glory and purpose, knit together as a family on mission. Knit together as a family on mission. And the reason I was, I was so intent and that we wanted covenant members to be here and just remember, I think for us, maybe we've forgotten you know, for those of us who went through like the, the covenant membership process with Origins a long time ago, maybe at some point we've, we've just kind of forgotten what we, what we said that we would do. And again, this is not an indictment on anyone that's a part of Origins because I don't think uh, that anyone is, is letting us down on their end of the bargain or anything like that. But we say that we're covenant members, meaning that we've agreed to do the things that God's called us to do as a church and we're going to do it together. And so today, I just, I just kind of wanted to remind us that we agreed uh, that what we believe that God asked us to do in this city is that we're here to build something. We're here to build something. And I'll tell you what we're not here to build. We're, we're not... And this may sound crazy. We're not here to build origins. Like, I love, I love this faith family. I love this expression of the church. I love that people have come from so many different backgrounds and so many varying places, and God has revealed himself in different ways with the same truth at different times under different circumstances, and some of them turned in 36 hours, and some of them it took 36 weeks. I love that. Like, I love that. But at the same time, understand that God didn't call us to build 
something called origins. God's called us to be this faith family in this place to partner with Him and build the kingdom. To build the kingdom. And that means if origins cease to exist tomorrow, but the kingdom grows, we're good with it. And I know that's hard to accept. You know, because my, like my full-time occupation is, is pastoring this church. Like, I get that. And you say, well, you mean you would be okay if your job disappeared tomorrow, but the kingdom grew? I have to be. Like, I, I mean, I have to be. I want us to think back to Nehemiah. We, we talk about it frequently in Nehemiah chapter 4. Um, when, I, when I think about this idea, especially when we borrow a phrase from a large home improvement store, like, let's build something together, I generally think of Nehemiah. And what he did. Nehemiah was, uh, it's a really interesting book in the middle of the Old Testament and some very hands-on ideas of uh, just honestly fixing some things that were broken in a very tangible way. Uh, Nehemiah, we, we might not even consider him a prophet um, unless he was named in the Old Testament. What he was, though, is he was a guy that was given a mission by God to do something really, really big. And he had grown to importance in a kingdom that was not Israel. Um, and at one point, God was telling him, leading him, urging him, go back and rebuild the city of Jerusalem. And so the first several chapters of this are just kind of going through the process of Nehemiah being kind of called and, and pressed upon by God to go and do this. Because understand, like four to six hundred years previous, Jerusalem had been established by King David as the center for Israel and as the central for their, uh, their religious life and their pursuit of God. Uh, David's son built the temple there, so it was literally the dwelling place for God here on earth before he changed things and came to live in us permanently as an indwelling. Um, and at some point, uh, Israel over over and over and over, they fell to other kingdoms, they fell to other authorities, and the people were taken away and the city was destroyed. And then this guy named Nehemiah, who was a cupbearer for another king, uh, the guy that literally would taste things to make sure that it wouldn't kill the king, that he wasn't being poisoned, pretty important guy, um, he just said, you know what, king, I, I feel like I need to go back and rebuild my city. He said, my heart is broken because my city's in ruins. My people have no place to live. This temple where we identified and worshiped God, like it's, it's broken down. I feel like I need to go. And so in Nehemiah chapter 4, I'm just going to read a couple verses, um, 1 through 14, and we're going to talk about some things that have happened and some ideas that we need to, to latch on to this morning, and then, then we'll be done. Chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Now when Sanballat heard that they were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. I haven't jeered at anybody in a long time, but he did. And he said in the presence of his brothers in the army of Samaria, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heap of rubbish and the burned ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, Yes, what are they building? If a fox goes up on that wall, he will break down the stone wall. This was... Uh, Nehemiah's response. Hear, O God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. So we, Nehemiah speaking, he said, so we built the wall. And all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Verse 7, but when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as protection against them day and night. In Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemies said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. 
At that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, you must return to us or you must leave. So in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall in the open places, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and I said to the nobles and the officials, to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. I think the first thing that we need to understand that if we are accepting this idea that we are a people redeemed for God's glory and His purpose, we're knit together as a family on mission, we've been called to build something and that something is the kingdom, I think we need to understand that there will be people that will try to interfere. There will be opposition. There'll be roadblocks, um, there will be Tobias, and there will be sand ballots that will say, we don't want you to do that. Because understand, like even in this time, in this place, Tobias, sand ballots, the Ashdodites, the Ammonites, they were, they were uh, gaining wealth and they were growing as a result of the walls and the people of God being scattered. The world does not want the kingdom to grow. The prince of the power of the air that we are opposed to, does not want the kingdom to grow. There will be opposition, guaranteed. But it doesn't change the fact that we are a a family called for God's glory and God's purpose, knit together for a mission. It doesn't change that. But I think we do need to understand there will be opposition. There will be people that will be against us. I think the other thing that we see, if we continued to read this, we would see this beautiful picture of Nehemiah describing how they went about doing this. He said, Uh, With one hand they built, and another hand they held a sword. And so they were willing to do whatever it took to make sure that the walls were continuing to be built. I think the second thing is we need to understand and we have to remember that this is going to take, like, all hands. Every hand we have. Every person that we have. Every heart that's attached to this family. It's going to take every single one. Some will build, some will defend, some will teach. Uh, Scripture goes through all of the list of the gifts that we've been given as a result of the Spirit, and it's a long list. And we, uh, even if we look at 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 20, which we'll, we'll toss up there really quickly, it says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews, Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that, would make it, that wouldn't make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any part or any less part of a body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in one body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member... Where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Understand, it's going to take all hands, and every hand is probably going to be doing something different. Like, it's, it, it, this is the beautiful kaleidoscope of the way God works, that God didn't make us all to do the same thing. He made us all vastly different so that we could accomplish one task when we're together. It's, it's just like Captain Planet. Sorry, I don't, that's a terrible cartoon that I remember from a kid, and... <laughs> It is. That's, shoo, man, I should not have chased that rabbit. But it is. Like, it's like that. Like, you look at a body. A body has hands. A body has feet. A body has eyes. A body has ears. A body has a mouth. A body has a heart. It takes all of these things to propel and push that one body forward. So as it is with the body of Christ. If we're going to live on mission, live as one family, we have to understand that we all play a part. 
No part is any less significant than the other. No part is any more important than the others. We all play a part. It's going to take all hands. And I think the question for those of us who are bought into this mission with this local expression of the church, this faith family, I think the question is this. Here's the signpost. We ask it before, we'll ask it again. What part will you play? What part will I play? What do we do? Because again, this isn't our identity, but this is important. Like what we do on Sunday mornings, it's important. It has great value. If the past year has taught us anything, man, the gathering of the saints is valuable. It is incredibly valuable, and we cannot overlook it. Like, as much as I appreciate the fact that there was technology to get us through and we could sit in our living rooms and be unified around one central idea, it was not the same. If you're sitting at home, I'm grateful that you're there, but I will just tell you, when you feel safe to come back, come back. When you feel good and you have prayed about it and your family feels good, you come back because we cannot replace the gathering. We can't. Hebrews didn't say, uh, as often as possible, listen to the same thing at the same time. Like, that's not it. No, it said, do not neglect to meet with one another. Do not neglect the gathering, as some make a habit of doing. When you feel ready to come back, come back. Now, I realize there's been 47 babies born in the quarantine, and some of you are figuring out life right now, so that's okay. You figure that life out. It's not quite 47, but it's a lot. What part will we play? Maybe, maybe one of the parts that you can play is man, you, just, you pick a job on Sunday mornings and you do it well. There are a lot of jobs this morning that because of volunteers being sick, uh, like four people had to do all of them. And you know what? That happens sometimes, and that's okay. We know how to do it. But maybe just a simple part that you can play is just say, hey, what needs to be done? Maybe it, you know what? It might not even be in your gifting. That's okay. But if it needs to be done, there's the answer. What part will you play? Um, maybe it's a bigger part than that. Maybe you understand that, that you've been sitting with us a while, you're incredibly capable, uh, God is impressing upon you that you feel like you should lead a community group. Well, come and tell us. We'll ask you a couple questions, we'll, we'll go through Scripture and say, hey, yeah, I think we agree, or maybe we don't, but you could down the road, and so this is who you need to follow, this is who you need to, to model yourself after for a little while. Maybe that. Maybe, maybe you want to volunteer with kids. Maybe you love kids and you just want to teach kids. Ashley would love it if you would say, hey, I would love to teach kids on Sunday. I would love it, absolutely. Even Josh back there, hey, you know what? Maybe you find another job. I'm kidding. You'd be great at it. Whatever it may be, maybe it's more. Maybe, maybe your part has very little to do with Sunday mornings other than you sitting here and you saying, you know what? This is what God's impressed upon me. I have a heart for this group of people in our city. And we'll say, that's great. How can we help you? How can we help you meet them where they are? I mean, there's a group of us that are meeting uh, every Thursday afternoon now um, at the rescue mission, just running a Bible study for the guys that are living there. Now, this is for men only, but maybe you're a guy and you have the flexibility and you can go and just sit. You don't have to teach, but you can sit and be there, get to know some names, and just hear their stories. This past week, we got to hear a ton of their stories, and it was incredible. God's brought them through a lot of places to get them right there right now fun. Maybe you have a heart for artists in downtown, and you want to figure out how we can minister to them. Hey, let us know. It's going to take all people. I think the answer for this is the first thing, just like, just like they did here in Nehemiah, as you pray, God, show me what you want me to do. The second answer to that is, uh, God, after you show me what you want me to do, teach me to do it or point me to somebody who can so that we can know what to do. And the third, the third is this, when God points us to a place and he allows us to do it, 
I think the thing that we forget to do very often is say, God, thank you for using me. We just need to say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for letting me teach four-year-olds and letting them hear the gospel every single week by what we're doing. Thank you, God, for letting me just, just sit and listen to people's stories. Thank you, God, for using me in whatever this way is. Thank you, God, for letting me share my story, whatever that may be. I think the next thing that we need to see, too, and this is, this is it. This is where I'll be done. I think we do need to understand that there's going to be opposition, and that's okay. It's not telling us to stop. As a matter of fact, sometimes I think the clearer the opposition is, the clearer it presents the mission that we need to continue. It's not because we're stubborn people, but we just understand that people are going to be opposed to the growth of the kingdom. Um, and then after we figure out that it's going to take me and, and I can serve, I have a role to play, I think the third thing is we just go ahead and be ready to admit, God, I'm okay with whatever it's going to cost me. And that's a tough one. God, I'm okay with whatever it's going to cost me. Because here's the thing. I don't think that we can be honest readers of Scripture and think that we can serve Jesus without it costing us something. I don't think that equation exists. As a matter of fact, I'll just say emphatically, it does not exist. Like grace is a free gift. It's entirely a free gift. But he says, make your bodies a living sacrifice. So go ahead and be willing just to put your body on the altar, everything that you have, and say, God, it's yours. Do with it whatever you want. And so I think even before we know the cost, we kind of have to just say, God, whatever it costs, I'm okay with it. If it's about your glory, if it's about your kingdom, if it's about building that, go ahead. It's yours. Uh, Over the past year, it's been beautiful to see so many of you faithfully um, give money that we know that you didn't have. Give money that you weren't sure that you would make back next month. It's been amazing to see that. Like we've, we've bragged on, I've bragged on this faith family so much to other pastors because understand in the year of the pandemic, which we'll, we'll affectionately call it from here on, um, like record giving months that we'd never seen as a church. I mean, like blew them out of the water and there were no strings attached to that money either. They weren't saying, hey, I'm giving you this money so that you can do this. No, no, no. It was just, I've got it. I'm going to give it because I'm going to trust that you're going to use it. Amazing to watch. Amazing to watch. Amazing to watch, even in current times of just uncertainty, people that have never given before, that barely know us, just start to give and say, we trust what you're doing, we believe in you, use it however you want, here you go. Here's my heart on money. And so maybe it, it might cost you more money. Here's the other thing. It's most definitely probably going to cost you time. It's going to cost you sleep. It's going to cost you all those things. But understand, there's always a cost for building something. There's always a cost for building something. And the better the thing that's being built, the higher the cost. And it's okay. It's okay. We're not building an organization to be better than another organization. We're not building a museum to be better than another museum. Man, God's called us to build the kingdom. Made up of people who need to hear the redeeming work of Jesus How can we place a price on that? There's no price that we can place on that. There's no cost too great for eternity. It's going to take all of us, and it's probably probably going to cost us all something. But that's okay. I think you you may be prone to ask, okay, so what what do we do with it? Well, here's... 
here's a couple places that I think are easy, low-hanging fruit places for some of you that may not be involved yet, that want to, be, that want to get involved, and it kind of reflects who we are as a church. And, you know, we, we say that we exist to make disciples who love God, love one another, love the city. Here are some easy places. Number one, um, maybe you need to be investing in someone or allowing someone to invest in you. Pretty simple. Maybe you need to be investing in someone who's less mature than you are spiritually. We call that discipleship or allowing someone to invest in you. As a matter of fact, that's a great way to serve, even if you're the one being invested in. Great place to start. Maybe uh, here's another one. Our second part of our mission statement is just love God. We express that in the way that we worship. Uh, Maybe the first thing that it needs to cost you is uh, you get out of bed a little bit earlier Sunday morning and you get here. Because I'll be honest, I know that there are some people sitting at home because it's been easy to sit at home. And at some point, like, the old crotchety guy inside of me is going to say, that's enough. And you may or may not choose to listen to me, and I'm sorry. But I know a lot of you are sitting at home because there are significant reasons, but some of you are sitting at home because it's been easy. Uh, Worship should cost us something. Like, to worship should cost us something. It may cost us screaming kids. It may cost us a lack of sleep. It may cost us any of those things. But worship should cost us something. It's worth it. And I guarantee people that have multiple kids are like, yep, it costs me screaming kids every single, every single Sunday. I remember growing up in a family of four. Our biggest fights came on Sunday morning, getting to church, walking to the third row in front of everyone 20 minutes late. It cost us embarrassment, but I, I wouldn't be able to repay it for what my parents did. Maybe your, your sacrifice, maybe the thing that's going to cost you is to, to be here on Sundays, to be in community group and worship. But not just here, outside of here too. Maybe it means that you spend 15 minutes a day just reading the Bible. Just 15 minutes. Figuring out who God is through his own words. 15 minutes a day. Maybe it's going to cost you serving one another. We say love one another. Maybe it's going to cost you that. Maybe it's going to cost you a meal when somebody has a baby. Okay. They need to eat. We got food. Let's feed them. Maybe it's going to cost you that. Maybe it's going to cost you a couch a couple nights when somebody needs a place to stay and you give them a place to stay. Maybe it's going to cost you that. Maybe it's going to cost you uh, the last part of what we do, and we call it loving the city. Maybe it means you give up a Saturday here or there. Maybe it means you make arrangements to do whatever you have to do to give up a Saturday. Maybe it means you give up a Thursday afternoon. Whatever it may be, whatever the opportunity is, we'll have events every single month, and we'll have other places that we can point you to. Maybe it's going to cost you there to just love the city so that they may have an opportunity to see and respond to the gospel too. Could cost you that. I hate that Dabo Sweeney stole our phrase of let's be all in. But, man, it, the kingdom begs us to be all in. I mean, it does. Like, the things that are at stake, they beg us. Man, put everything that we have on the altar and say, God, whatever you need, it's all yours. Just take it and use it. I'm in. If you're struggling with that, if you're trying to figure out what that looks like and how that plays out, uh, we'd love to have coffee with you. I'd love just to sit down and talk to you and and talk about this and what it looks like. But man, that's the call. It is the call to give every bit. Um, Yeah. So let's, to borrow that phrase again, let's, let's commit to build something together, something big do it as a family on mission. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus. Um, God, we thank you for stories. We thank you for the ways that you change us and just completely reorient the things that we value. God, I pray that you'd continue to do that. I I pray that as we're made more and more like Jesus, God, the thing that we value most is building your kingdom uh, in your name for your glory and for your purpose. 
And God, I pray that we understand who we are as an identity, that we are a people that have been brought together by you, period, for your purpose, for your glory. And God, we would live as such. The city would see it, our neighbors would see it, our kids would see it, our coworkers would see it. And as a result, God, that you would use that uh, to draw them unto yourself, move them to repentance, and see them give their lives to you. God, I thank you for this mission. I thank you for this family that we call Origins. And I pray that you would continue just to show us where we need to go, direct us how to get there. Um, and God, let us enjoy it, even when it's costly. God, we love you, we thank you, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Uh, we are we're about to be done. I do want to remind you, check, be on the lookout for those meal trains. Uh, take some people some food. Uh, if you're thinking about hitting a community group this week and you're not in communication with your community group leader, hit them up. If you haven't been in a community group this entire time, we have cut down to three just because of COVID times. If you want to go hang out with some people this week, uh, man, shoot one of them a message. Say, what night are you doing it? Find one that works. Go hang out. Um, and hopefully we'll see you next week for Palm Sunday. So have a great week. We're done. <laughs>